Welcome. You are listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, and this is Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove. While it's always better to hear it live, this is a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. Enjoy our latest installment. Shabbat Shalom. Once upon a time, Queen Esther called on the wisest of her servants to perform a seemingly impossible task, to find something that did not exist, a ring. Not just any ring, but a magic ring one that when worn by a melancholy person would make that person happy. And when worn by a happy person, that person would become melancholy. The servant was given one year to fulfill the search and as fall turned to winter and winter turned to spring to summer, the servant had come up with nothing. But just as he was ready to give up, inspiration struck and he took a plain gold ring to an engraver, asking that three words be etched into the band, three words that he believed would make a happy wear melancholy and the broken-hearted person strengthened. The servant returned to the palace and presented the ring to Queen Esther, who smiled broadly, acknowledging the servant's success in his mission as she read aloud the Hebrew words inscribed on the ring. Gam ze yavor, this too shall pass. When melancholy, gam ze yavor, a reminder that sunnier days lie ahead. When at the height of contentment, gam ze yavor, the ring would remind her of life's fleeting nature. Gam ze yavor, this too shall pass. The learned wisdom that whatever it is we are experiencing, good or bad, does not last forever. I don't have any special ring, but of late I've found myself repeating this refrain again and again and again. On Wednesday night I whispered it to myself when my beloved Los Angeles Dodgers rushed onto the field having just won the World Series. I was, as you can imagine, overcome with joy. But it was a jubilation that came with a melancholy sense of history. 32 years since their last World Series win. 32 years of frustration and perseverance. The redemptive joy of Wednesday night contextualized by a much longer arc of what it took to get there and all the unknowns about what's now to come. So too at the other end of the continuum, I find myself saying, this too shall pass. We're all feeling so much stress, anxiety, fear, and frustration at levels hitherto never experienced. A global pandemic that's nowhere near under control, a spike in the daily national and worldwide numbers of afflicted without precedent. We are enduring a political season that's gotten the best of our country. Tuesday's election, whatever the outcome, has prompted stress levels, according to the most recent APA study, exceeded only by fear of mass shootings and inaccessible health care. This too shall pass, I keep saying to myself, 
because if there's ever been a time that we need the soothing balm of historical perspective taking, ours is such a time. It's altogether understandable and altogether human that when faced with the extremes of joy or of sorrow, that that moment comes to occupy the totality of our lens of vision. The emotions are so intense, so all-encompassing, that we lose sight of the fact that that moment, in all its intensity, is but one moment sandwiched between an infinite number of moments preceding and following. The cancellation of a summer camp, or a semester that's turned online, a betrayal by someone we trusted, an academic or professional setback. The source could be natural, for instance, a pandemic. It could be prompted by another person, and it could even be self-inflicted. But whatever the issue, whoever caused it, we assign it an eclipsing role in our self-definition. We lose sight of all that came before and all that is still yet to come. We forget that there's no correspondence between the weather on one's wedding day and the health of one's marriage. We forget that frustrating as it may be for a semester to be online, it's a setback that's neither damning indefinitely nor necessarily defining in the long run. You know, the rabbi at my bar mitzvah, God bless him, he was a renter rabbi. But my Jewish identity, I hope we can all agree, turned out all right. Those three hours were not dispositive in shaping my Jewish identity. Throughout my child, I went, childhood, I went to a speech therapist. Now I make a, my living through public speaking. It's not just that hindsight's 2020, but it's that resilience, wisdom, humility, and humanity can be reaped if we widen the lens of our vision from the intensity of any one setback. In the words of author Irvin Yalom, if we climb high enough, to reach a height from which tragedy ceases to look tragic. To say those magic three words, gamze yavor, this too shall pass. You know, nine times out of 10, when discussing this morning's Torah reading, our attention turns to Genesis chapter 12 and God's call to Abram to go forth. But this morning, I wanna draw your attention to a lesser known exchange in Genesis chapter 15, between God and Abram, yet to be renamed Abraham. Years had passed since that Lech Lecha initial call, and while Abram had grown in wealth, the rest of God's promises had not materialized. In fact, just the opposite. Abram had faced war, a family kidnapping, a famine, an indelicate marital challenge, a financial quarrel with his family, and most painfully, he and his wife remained childless. All the blessings, the land, the progeny, and otherwise God promised unfulfilled. Filled with anxiety, Abram confronts God saying, which loosely translates as, how shall I know what will become of me? And then in an incident referred to as Brit Bain Hapitarim, the covenant between the pieces, God responds to Abram's anguished plea by casting Abram into a deep sleep in which a divine vision is revealed. Your offspring, Abram, shall be strangers in a strange land for hundreds of years. They will be oppressed, but they will also be redeemed, and their oppressors will be judged, and your offspring, Abram, long after your lifetime, will be assigned the land as I have promised. It's an enigmatic scene 
But it's an exchange that I think carries with it great insight, not just into the nature of Abram and his angst-filled moment, but our own. This is Abram at his most vulnerable. He's questioning the wisdom of his initial decision to follow God. He's filled with doubts about God and about, I imagine, himself. And in all his torment, God responds by granting Abram the one thing that Abram doesn't even know that he lacks, perspective, a recitation of his descendants' future narrative. Abram, the promise I made to you, it is a promise, but it's a promise that will be filled long after your length of years. This moment is passing. There is still yet a long road ahead. And yes, things are going to get worse before they get better. But Abram, look at the big picture. There's a larger story taking place. It's not all bad. It's not forever. And frankly, Abram, it's not just about you. The chapters ahead we know will indeed be filled with challenges. Abram's yet to father children. He's yet to argue with God at Sodom and Gomorrah. He has yet to be called on by God to sacrifice his son on Mount Moriah. It will be years before Abram becomes Abraham in both name and stature. But it is here at this covenantal moment that Abram understands that the journey of Lech Lecha is not just about any single destination in time or space. This too shall pass. This angst-filled moment doesn't define you. It is a realization that ultimately becomes Abram's source of solace and strength, his beacon of hope as he moves forward in his life. And as descendants of Abram, it has been the same realization that whatever our present and passing anxiety, it exists in the context of a larger promise. That has been the calling card of our people ever since. When Isaac quarreled with his neighbors, when Jacob fled his brother Esau and lay his head on the rock that fearful night, when Joseph found himself on the receiving end of his brother's abuse, in each and every instance, it's not so much that God intervened to resolve the issue at hand, but rather that God reminded our ancestors that whatever they were experiencing was not the sum total of their life story. Moses' leadership was not marked by his oratorical skills or his interpersonal ones. Moses was Moses because he was able to persuade the enslaved Israelites that there was an existence beyond the horizon of what they could see in their bondage. It is why in the midst of their frenetic flight from Egypt, Moses reminds the Israelites of that future day when they will be called on by their children to recall this moment. What a strange request to make of a fugitive slave. Until, of course, you realize that the goal of the Exodus was not just the Exodus itself, but our ability to recall it in the future, which is why at every Passover, wherever a Jew finds him or herself in ease or agitation, we recall God's enduring promise, Vehisha Amda, this promise that has endured. It's why, long before the establishment of the State of Israel, the anthem of our people has been Hatikva, which means the hope. For 2,000 years, through persecution, pogrom, and worse, in every Jewish heart, our hope was not lost. This is what it means to be a descendant of Abraham, to know that we are part of a bigger story and that our present troubles, whatever they are, will one day pass. They are not the sum total of our experience. And I know 
that some of you may be hearing my words with some skepticism. Rabbi, you say, the passage of time unto itself does not resolve problems. In fact, you might be saying, isn't there something dangerously passive about adopting a philosophy of this too shall pass, some sort of spiritual resignation? It's a good question, a question to which I can only counsel that an acknowledgement that our station in life is temporary is but a first, not final step. Meaning, to believe that this too shall pass means that things can change, that no problem is intractable, that history is not destiny, and that we can be transformed as individuals, as families and societies. To believe this too shall pass, gamze yavor, is not an abdication of responsibility, but just the opposite. It's an invitation for us to assert personal agency, to dust off ourselves, to adapt, to adjust and reinvent. If we're riding high, it reminds us this too shall pass, that we never become complacent, that we never take our blessings for granted, and that we are generous in spirit and deed because we know that but by the grace of God go I. And when we are brought low, we remember this too shall pass, the soothing and stabilizing reminder that if we will it and if we work for it, then whatever it is we are experiencing, tomorrow and the tomorrow after that can be different than today. Friends, I haven't got the slightest idea what's gonna happen to our country in the coming days. I suspect some of us are gonna be happy, some of us are gonna be sad, and probably none of us are gonna have the answers as quickly as we would like. But whatever the outcome, whatever column of emotion you place yourself, be sure to slip that ring onto your finger and breathe in those words, Gamze Yavor, this too will pass. Your jubilation or your sorrow, this too will pass. Someday, soon enough, the shoe will be on the other foot, victor and vanquished reversed, and we must remember that it is a fact of our shared citizenship, not our partisan affiliation that binds us together as a nation. Gamze Yavor, this too will pass. Our country has survived divisive and contested elections before, and we will again, as long as cooler heads and love of country rule the day. Gamze Yavor, this too will pass. Have some perspective. Whatever the present hurdle, we must see the arc of history, even beyond the horizon of our present crisis, and then we must bend it towards justice, working to realize the promise of what tomorrow can bring. One final thought, one thing I neglected to share. When I was a kid, perhaps like many of you, I heard the story of Queen Esther and the ring in Hebrew school. Frankly, I actually heard it about King Solomon, but it's about time Jewish stories undergo a generational gender course correction. It was only recently that I discovered that the most famous telling of that story was not by any rabbi in any synagogue, but it was in 1859 at a Wisconsin State Fair in Milwaukee when one of the speakers closed his remarks as follows. It is said an Eastern monarch once charged his wise men to invent him a sentence, to be ever in view and which should be true and appropriate at all times and situations. 
they presented him with these words, this too shall pass away. How much it expresses, how chastening in the hour of pride, how consoling in the depths of affliction, and this too shall pass away. The speaker that day was Abraham Lincoln. And in the year to come, he would be elected the 16th president of the United States. Both that day in Wisconsin and throughout his presidency, Lincoln understood that in order for some things like national unity to endure, other things like partisan enmity must be let to pass. And so too in our own day. Indeed, fondly do we hope and fervently do we pray that the mighty scourge of this pandemic and of our political divisions speedily pass away to bind up the nation's wounds that we may turn our attention to the national promises that await fulfillment. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. See you in shul.